If you have a Bible, let's go to Psalm chapter 94, verse, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start in, let's start in verse eight or 16. I'm gonna read from the message translation because I really like the way it says it today. Hey, I do wanna say welcome. If you're watching this online right now, we just wanna welcome you into this space and this place. We hope that you, uh, are enjoying your time and God's presence here with us, and we just want to thank you. Can we put our hands together and thank God for our online audience? Thank you for watching, and make sure you do all those things you like, and you subscribe to whatever the channels are, and you push the like buttons, and you comment, and you share this with your friends. We want to make sure that the word gets out about what God is doing here. It's an incredible thing. I've met so many people over the past few months who actually started attending our church during the pandemic online. And now they're in the room today. And so we're really grateful for, for that. That's really awesome. So Psalm 94, I'm gonna start verse 16. This is what the message translation says. It said, who stood up for me against the wicked? Who took my side against evil workers? If God hadn't been there for me, I never would have made it. The minute I said, I'm slipping, I'm falling. Your love, God, took hold and held me fast. When I was upset, this is a man talking. When I was upset and beside myself, any men ever felt like that? He said, you calmed me down and you cheered me up. One translation says, when my anxiety was great within me, your consolation or your comfort, you being with me brought me joy. Is there anybody in the room thankful for the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord. So Father, we thank you for your word and we ask over these next few moments, you would declare something to us that would change us forever. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who made filling joy, a joy that isn't connected to circumstances, joy possible for us. He didn't just deal with the storms that were raging on the outside of me. Jesus has dealt with the storm that's raging on the inside of me. And that's my greatest comfort in life. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Acts 13 and 52 says this. It says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We're just a couple of weekends removed from Pentecost Sunday where the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happened and the church was birthed. And in that moment, the Spirit of God began to overwhelm people in such incredible ways that not only did they experience the gifts of the Spirit, but they were more than that. They were empowered to become witnesses. And many disciples would ultimately give their life as a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Something happened to them that was remarkable and undeniable. 
In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 7, the Bible says, and you became imitators of us. This is Paul talking. And he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. This is important because it teaches us that when we receive the word, we don't just receive the word when our circumstances are good. Come on, we receive the word when our circumstances are messed up. We receive the word in much affliction. And there are some people in this room this morning and you need the word in much affliction. And so I encourage you today to receive it because with it comes the joy of the Holy Spirit. Can anybody in the room use some joy today? And listen, joy is the birthright of a believer. The world teaches us that happiness depends on happenings. And even the Webster's Dictionary of Joy is not that great. It's a, it's, a, it's a joy that's connected to something that we can see happening in our present or an expectation of good in our future. But how many of you know that the joy of the Bible is different? The joy of the Bible isn't connected to my circumstances. It's not connected to my happenings. It's not connected to what's going on around me. It's not connected to where I'm at in life. My joy is connected to who lives on the inside of me and there can be a storm raging around me and calm on the inside of me because I have the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of the Lord. It's the joy of his presence and it belongs to me. It's my birthright. The disciples went from fearful, doubting, anxious followers of Jesus to faith-filled, sacrificial, empowered witnesses. And they had this joy the Bible talks about in the midst of intense persecution. As a matter of fact, there was a group of people in the Bible who the, they, were, they were so poor that they actually gave an offering that shocked the Apostle Paul. He couldn't believe how much they gave. As a matter of fact, he said, you actually gave more than you had because of the joy that you had when it came to giving. That's an incredible thought to me that, that I can be so happy about joy that I even forget what I'm going through just for the thought of giving and blessing somebody else. This is the joy of the Lord that I have found. Joy is mentioned 218 times in 66 books. It's one of the main unique and inerrant markers of the presence of the Holy Spirit more than the gifts Joy is the most common indicator that the presence of the Holy Spirit is in someone's life. Psalm 64 and 11 says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I think we misinterpret this scripture and think, man, if I could just get in God's presence, then I could get some joy. Well, the problem with that thinking is you've misunderstood God. You, you thought that God just showed up sometimes and just like he wasn't there all the time. But you serve an omnipresent God who is always present. So I don't need to get in his presence when I already have his presence on a daily basis. I don't get to church because I need to get in his presence. I've already got his presence with me. His presence comes with me when I come to church. What happens here is in, isn't, isn't God coming down and meeting us. It's us coming with his presence 
and meeting each other. This is what's happening. So today is, is, is not the result of, man, we worked really hard to get God to show up. Today is actually the result of a lot of people who came with God in them with an expectation that God was going to move through them and not just come upon them. Come on, somebody. So some people think, if I could just get in his presence. No, you need to live with an awareness that he is always there. He's always with me. Are there times of an outpouring? Are there times where I experience his presence in a greater measure? Oh, yeah. But don't live unaware that God is just as much with you when you get in your car as he was when you were in this room. Don't live unaware of the fact that God is just as much with you on your job is he, <laughs> as he is here on a Sunday morning. And if you live with that awareness, you can find joy that you had in this room on your job. The joy that you had in this room, in your car. The joy that you had in this room, in your house. Because he is not just here in precious moments. He is always with us. And I really feel like the most important impact the Spirit of God has on your life is your emotional health. I believe that with all of my heart. I feel like God is a parent who when they find out that their kid is hurting and they go to their room and they say, hey, what happened? And the, the, the kid says, well, well, so-and-so said this to me today. So-and-so hurt my feelings. Or, and you're like, what's their address? Where they live? What's their daddy's name? What's their full name? Can, are they on Facebook? Are they on Instagram? You ever had a teacher hurt your kid's feelings? When's the next parent teacher's meeting? When can I talk to this principal? Who needs a phone call today? I feel like, I feel like you don't understand God sometimes. You think he's this passive aggressive dad. No, he's an aggressive dad. He's an aggressive dad. When he finds out his kids are hurting, he wants to know the address of who hurt them. He wants to know the name and, and, and the last name and their Facebook page and their Instagram profile. He wants to know who they are because you serve a God who is concerned about your emotional health. He wants you to be healthy in your soul and he wants to deal with anything and anyone that's making you unhealthy. He's a good God like that. So if you believe that God wants to be a real father, and go after the things that are draining you of emotional stability. I need to talk to you for a minute. Because most of the things that are draining you of your joy are not other people's fault. Now it's going to get quiet for a little bit. I understand. I understand because as I was putting these thoughts together, I got mad because sometimes the sermon for me starts out a certain way and then God turns it and he's like, hey, um, this wasn't actually a sermon after all that I really wanted you to preach on Sunday. This was something I wanted to talk to you about. So can I tell you, I don't ever preach something on Sunday that God hasn't talked to me about first. I don't feel qualified to talk about anything else other than the things that God has already talked to me about. So I want to talk, I want to, talk to you about this because 
I don't want us to be like the hypocrites. Job 20 and five says the hypocrite or the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. A hypocrite is basically a pretender. And can I tell you, most, most of the time, you lose your joy because you're pretending. I heard somebody say this week, and it was the, it was the theologian, and so many of us have been, been impacted by, played some incredible characters. He's a really deep, thinking actor. I think his greatest role was Ace Ventura Pet Detective. I heard Jim, <laughs> heard Jim Carrey say, Jim Carrey said something that really impacted me this week. You can find inspiration in a lot of strange places. <laughs> he said, he said, we probably should start thinking of depression as deep rest. Depressed deep rest. He said, because some of us need deep rest from the person we've been pretending to be. Did we just get a wow in church from Jim Carrey? Why does it take someone like Jim Carrey to tell us what we need to hear? Isn't that wild? Deep rest. Because many of us need to rest from the person we've been Pretending to be. Can I tell you that most of your joy is being stolen from you by you? And I want to talk to you about a few ways today that we are allowing our joy to be taken from us. And in some ways, these are very difficult for us to deal with because many of these things seem virtuous. They seem like good things. I want to ask you a question, and then I want to tell you the answer. <laughs> Are you exhausted? Yes, you are. And can I tell you why you're exhausted? You're exhausted because you're doing too many things. You're doing too many things. We live in a world today where we have access to too much. Because of this, we have put a burden on ourselves that we were never intended to carry. We carry the weight of things that we were never intended to carry. We're concerned about things that we were never, it's not that we weren't meant to be concerned about them, it's that we weren't meant to carry the burden of fixing them. Here's the problem with us is we really do care about people. You do. I do. I know you do. You might act like you don't, but you do. And when you care about people, what happens with you very often is you put, when you see an issue or a problem or something arise, you put the burden of fixing that on yourself. And you could, you could be trying to fix things today that you aren't even responsible for. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And so we're doing too many things. And I wanna ask you this question. 
And I need you to answer this for yourself. This is homework. A lot of this is going to be homework today. What needs to be true in your life for you to rest? And I would tell you, whatever that is, work towards that. Instead of working and doing so many things, find out what needs to be true in your life for you to truly rest and do that. Make that happen. I want to ask you another question. It's a Sunday, so this might not be true for everybody today. But you might need to ask yourself this question tomorrow. What time will you stop working on Monday? I, I came to this point, like, with Monica. I realized that because of my cell phone, I was accessible 24 hours a day. I didn't grow up being this accessible. Now I can, I can access you, you can access me 24 hours a day. You need to have a cutoff. There are moments in my life where I tell Monica like, hey, um, I'm just going to put my phone in the drawer. And if something crazy happens, it just happens. Do you you remember when when you were little and you would just leave your house without a cell phone on your bicycle? Like, I just need a bicycle day every now and then where I just leave my phone in the drawer and nobody can access me for a long period of time. I have to cut off. God did not intend for you to be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Think about, think about the quality of the places you go that are open 24-7. Waffle House. Now, now listen, at 3 a.m., a Waffle House waffle is really good. But if, but if you've been... If, if, you've, <laughs> if, if you've been to the pancake pantry, pantry and you've eaten their waffles and pancakes and then you go eat a Waffle House waffle, you realize maybe being open 24 hours a day, seven days a week is not a good thing. Just think about it for a second. The quality of the places that are open 24-7. How do you think your life is any different? How do you think you can be a quality person and give people access to your life 24 hours a day, seven days a week? You need a cutoff. God even said you need a cutoff. You should work six days and you should rest on the seventh. As a matter of fact, the longest commandment in the Bible is the command to rest. Why is that? It's because God knew it would be the command we would break the most. And I'm telling you, dads, you need to learn how to rest. Where's my joy? You're not resting enough. The people at work, these people in my life, my marriage. It's, it, no, 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 no. You, you, your problem is not, more than likely, it's not all of that. Problem is self-inflicted. More than likely, you need a bike day. 
And do you, do you remember that when you got home, like the world kept turning? Like people kept existing? Do, do you remember a day when you would find stuff out two and three days after it happened? Lord have mercy. And when you find out stuff happened two and three days later, you're, you're no longer responsible for what happened three days ago. But when you, when you can find out everything in the moment, no wonder you feel overwhelmed. No wonder you feel responsible. No wonder you feel like you have to take care of it. A lot of stuff I found out about when I was little, they said, did you hear so-and-so passed away? When was that? Last week? Oh my gosh, where was I? You were on your bike, Robbie. <laughs> Sometimes I just need to get on my bike. Oh my goodness. Sometimes it's not that you're doing too many things necessarily. It's, it's, you could be doing too many of the wrong things. Because if you're doing the right things, the right things will actually energize you. The right things will actually give you energy. Have you ever taken a vacation and then got back and like, I need a vacation from that vacation. That's the way I feel right now. It's, 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 I mean, there are parts of it that's fun, but, but it's, it's, it's one house. It's, it's all my brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws and my in-laws and all their kids. It's like 30 of us in one home and we like each other. Could you imagine, can you imagine the families that do this to each other and they don't even like each other? Let's go on a family vacation. Yeah, that sounds great. We all hate each other. Oh, even sounds better. Let's do it. And let's go somewhere expensive. Yeah, that sounds even better. No, we like each other and it's hard. We like each other and it's difficult. I realized like this vacation that we just went on, this wasn't about me. This was about my kids getting to see their cousins. I need a vacation from my vacation and I refuse to apologize for needing a vacation and I refuse to apologize for going on vacation. So for everybody that was mad last week, cause pastor Robbie didn't preach, get over it. It's going to happen even more as my hair gets grayer. I'm going to miss more Sundays and you should too. People are like, Pastor, do you get mad when it's summer and the church attendance declines and people go on vacations and people start to rest and people do? No, I love this time of year because if, if you'll go away, then the person I get back in the fall is a much better person than you were when your kids were about to lose their minds in March. So go away. Busyness is the enemy of your impact anyway. You do so many things that you do nothing well. Dads, we're the best at this, right? <laughs> we're good at everything, masters of none. Like, we can change the oil a little bit. Like, <laughs> we can fix the stove a little bit. But man, do we do, what do we do well? What do we do well? What do we do that has an impact? What do we do? Because the Bible teaches us in John, it teaches us that Jesus says, I want you to have fruit, but not just, not just fruit. I'm to, I, I want you to have a certain quality of fruit. 
fruit that remains. And so many many of us are are so focused on trying to be fruitful that we're putting out bad fruit. Because you can bear bad fruit. I want good fruit. I heard somebody say, you know, when I was younger, I used to want to be successful. Now that I'm older, I'm worried that I succeeded at all the things that didn't matter. (laughs) Second thought. If you're always frustrated, you're trying to control way too much. First one is if you're always exhausted, you're doing too many things. Second thought is this, if you're always frustrated, you're trying to control too much. Remember, I'm not preaching this at you. (laughs) I'm preaching this from God, preaching this at me. If you're always frustrated, you're trying to control too much. What's the worst thing that will happen if you stop trying to control things? Stop trying to control people. You know what I found out? The emotional health of others does not always have to be my responsibility. You know what I found out? Sometimes my wife doesn't want me to fix her. Do you know how freeing this is? Every time I try to fix her, it ends up bad. She comes home and she's been out or, and hanging out with somebody and something happened and so-and-so said something or she, she's, uh, my wife is over the women's ministry here so if something goes bad or something didn't work out the way she wanted to, she comes home and she says, well, so-and-so, they just didn't or this, that person, or this happened and I try to fix it. I'm like, well, honey, maybe you. Don't you ever, say, can I, listen to me. If you, if you... <laughs> Dear Lord, let me, let me save you from thousands and thousands of dollars in marriage counseling. Don't ever say to your wife, well, honey, maybe you. That, that is a button that every woman has. That if you push it, you will see a side of your spouse that you did not know existed. It's like you're watching that movie Poltergeist and all of a sudden that head starts to spin around and you're like, what did I just do? What kind of hell on earth did I just create for myself? And you, you say it and you know as soon as you say it, you're like trying to catch the words and shove them back in your face, but you can't do it. It's impossible. Can't do it. So you've got to, you've got to, you've got to stop trying to control everything. Your wife's emotional health is not always your responsibility. Sometimes, ladies, sometimes when your husband is having a bad day, you used to be, you used to be like, listen, this dude needs to get himself together, but I ain't got time for him today. trying to help you right now. Sometimes you just need to be like, oh, she's, <laughs> she's a little cuckoo today. I'm just going to walk in the other direction. Like, I think, our, I think our thought is like, if somebody's struggling emotionally, we need to go in and fix them. And sometimes we just need to avoid them. Sometimes you just need to go in the other direction. Oh, she's having one of those days. Oh, yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, bad hair day, bad makeup day, bad day. Just go in the other direction. Your husband's like, oh, honey, you know, I'm just, just not happy today. And you're like, that's fine. I'm happy today. I'm going to go over here and enjoy my life. Come on, man. Sometimes you need to stop putting the weight of everybody else's emotional health on your shoulders. Your kids wake up in a bad mood. You're like, listen, I'm going to go enjoy my, I'm going to go get my hair done today. I'm going to go get my nails done today. I'm going to enjoy my life. You can stay home and be a baby. Heat up some frozen pizza. Deal with it. I'm going. You're trying to control everything. Trying to control everybody's emotions. When people aren't happy, you're trying to make them happy. Ooh, that's helped. So sometimes you just need to embrace reality. Sometimes people are gonna have a bad day and there's nothing you can say to fix it. Sometimes people are gonna go through some things and there's nothing you can do to fix it. And some, sometimes resisting pain prolongs the pain. Sometimes delayed outcomes are worse outcomes. And the thing that you've been avoiding, the thing you've been trying to control and you've been trying to manipulate and you've been trying to keep at bay, maybe you need to let it loose so that you can feel the pain so that you can deal with the outcome. Because the longer you try to control it, the worse the outcome is going to be. There's a really interesting scripture that I never thought of this way until just recently. In Psalm 126 and 5, the Bible says, they that sow in tears will reap in joy. Think about that. Sow in tears, reap in joy. Maybe one of the reasons you don't have the joy necessary for the season that you're in is because you won't cry the tears that are necessary for the season that you're in. And if you don't sow the seed of tears, maybe you don't reap the harvest of joy. Maybe it's the fact that you keep trying to avoid pain that keeps you in pain. And so I've got to stop trying to control everything because really control freaks, freaks end up eventually pushing people away. You try to control her, she tries to control you, you try to control your kids, you try to control the situation, you ultimately push people away. Third thought, if you're discouraged, you're probably thinking about things you cannot do in the present. So you evaluate your life you evaluate your circumstances by the things that you can actually do something about today. If you cannot take action on it today, put it to the side. Matthew 6 and 34 says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. So if I can't take action on it today, why would I give it today's energy? So much of my energy, so much of my joy is lost 
because I'm giving away my energy to things I can't do anything about today. And can I tell you something? You, you, don't, need a, you don't need a touchdown every week of your life. Sometimes you just need to move the ball forward a little bit. And in life, sometimes it is like football. Sometimes in life, you do get sacked. Sometimes in life, you do lose some yardage. Sometimes in life, it does feel like you're running backwards. And that's okay. All of that goes into the process of who we are becoming and our actions and thoughts and life that is directed towards pushing towards the mark, pushing towards the goal. But I don't always score a touchdown every single day of my life. Sometimes I just get a first down. Sometimes I just get a couple yards. Sometimes I just move the ball, the ball forward. Sometimes I just carry it and, and fall down. That's it. I, I don't need to. I don't need to accomplish everything today. And if today, and if and if today doesn't go as planned, then that means tomorrow is messed up, that means then my plans for the future are messed up. No, 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 stop thinking like that. You're, you're overestimating. You're overestimating what you can do in three years and underestimating what God can do in a day. So if you're discouraged, you're probably obsessing over things you cannot do in the present. Last thought. If you're always sad, then you're probably thinking about yourself too much and other people not enough. And can I tell you, every one of these have been true about me. Every one of these. I have been at places in my life where I've been constantly exhausted. Not just occasionally exhausted, but constantly exhausted. Doing too many things, too many of the wrong things. I've been in places in my life where I've been always frustrated, trying to control everything and everybody. I've been discouraged because I've been thinking about stuff I can't do anything about today. And man, I have been in places where I have been constantly sad because I've been thinking about myself too much and others too little. I want you to recognize something this morning before we close. I want you to recognize that, first of all, you are made in the image of God. And because you are made in the image of God, that comes with some things that can become, if, if we don't handle them correctly, they can become dangerous for us. For instance, you serve a God who is jealous for your praise. The Bible says that about him. He's jealous for your praise, your attention. And if you're not careful, you're made in his image. You were created to be praised as well. That's why it does so much for us. That's why someone's words of affirmation can do so much for us. That's why when someone says, man, you did a great job, we can, yeah, thank you. That's why this morning when your own dad looks at you and says, you're a great father, you go, oh, man, maybe I am. <laughs> Didn't feel like it this past week. 
man. But maybe I, maybe I am. Because we were created in his image. We, we want to be praised. We want people to talk well about us. But if we're not careful, that will become something that isn't good, that isn't healthy. And here's the thing about God's expression of value. I need you to hear this. God's expression of value for us is greater than God's expression of value from us. And if you're not careful, you'll expect more praise than you give. You serve a God who has always given more than he gets. He's always given more love than he gets. He's always given more praise than he gets. He's always given more comfort than he gets. Always. But we do it opposite. We expect more praise than we give. And could it be the current level of gratitude that you're giving is the current level of gratitude that you're getting? And your frustration with people not being grateful for you is also their frustration with you not being grateful for them. Because the Bible teaches us that the only area where we should ever compete with one another and try to outdo one another is in showing honor. So what if, what if, my, what if the lack of gratitude I'm receiving is because of the lack of gratitude I'm giving? Oh man, we don't want to hear that. We want to be, we want to hear, oh, people should be thankful for you. People should tell you they love. No, 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 you're missing it. Created in the image of God. He's always giving more praise than he gets. He's always giving more love than he gets. How? How are you expecting others to show gratitude? You should have that same level, if not more, from yourself. And I want to tell you this. Gratitude will fix so much of what ails you. In, in every season of your life. Because if you're constantly negative, it's because you're ungrateful. And gratitude is one of those things. Gratitude unspoken is like a gift unopened. It's useless. So you can't say, I'm, oh man, I'm just so grateful for my wife. Well, how do you tell her? When do you tell her? How often do you tell her? Oh, she knows, man, she knows. How does she know? Well, I work really hard. Yeah, so do a lot of guys whose marriages fail. Work really hard. What do you say? God, I'm praising you this morning. How are you praising me? In my heart. 
Well, I actually wrote in the Bible how I want to be praised. God, I'm praising you. How are you praising me this morning? With my hands in my pockets. But I'm praising you right here. I mean it. <laughs> you, gratitude unspoken, praise unspoken isn't praise at all. Gratitude unexpressed, praise unexpressed isn't gratitude. It isn't praise at all. If your hands unopen the gifts, then your words unopen your praise. Your words. The Bible says that the power of life and death are in the tongue. The power of life and death are not in your intentions. The power of life and death are in the tongue. So I open up my mouth and I express gratitude. And I always have to give more gratitude than I get. Or else I will, if, if, if I live for people telling me how good I am, then I'll die when they stop telling me how good I am. But if I live to tell other people how great they are, then I'll never cease to hear people telling me how great I am. Come on, man. You're missing an opportunity to sow a seed into a field that always brings a harvest. We're not talking about the stock market. Anytime you sow seeds of gratitude, you get gratitude back. Anytime you sow into the kingdom, you get the kingdom result back. You always get back. God always gives more than you give. You can't outgive God. You can't outdo God. You can't outserve God. No matter, no matter how much you've given, how much you've served, no matter how many churches, services you've attended, no matter how much you think you've put on the line for God, you still haven't put on the line the same amount that God has put on the line for you. You haven't. He always does more. That should be our heart. We're created in his image. My heart should be, oh man, not that I want to receive more. No, I want to do more. Want to give more. If you want to see a harvest of gratitude in your own life, you start, you watch as you start to sow seeds of gratitude. And whenever you listen to me, whenever you think about something good to say to somebody, say it. Say it. Have you ever have you ever had your phone out and you thought, man, I should text that person. Text them. Man, I should call that person. Call them. I should send that email. Send it. I should apologize. Apologize. I should tell them how good of a job they did. Tell them how good of a job they did. Say it. Say it. Say it. Father, in Jesus' name. Help us. For the dads in here today who are Lacking joy, help us. Help us to realize that, man, my circumstances really are not the thing that dictates my joy. Joy is an, an inward thing that I have as the result of knowing Jesus because I have peace with God. That's established. The Bible says so many times it tells us to take courage. 
courage is there, sometimes you just have to take it. I think we're waiting to be infused with courage or zapped with courage. Sometimes you just have to take courage. Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so many men in this room today feel defeated and weakened and like they're not enough. And they're afraid to maybe even repeat what happened to them because of their father's inability to have joy. And I'm praying today that we would recognize as the people of God that joy is our birthright, belongs to us. The enemy doesn't have to destroy my life to take my life. All he really has to do is affect how I see it, to take it. And sometimes for dads, the enemy uses the worst tactics. Because for some of you, he's come after you for so long and he realizes I can't beat him. So I'll just go after what he loves. And so much of our heartbreak is not connected really to even what's happening to us, but the things that are happening to people we love and we can't control. So I'm praying for dads in here who feel like they have to have a tight grip on everything and they can't release anything. My heart is heavy for you today and I pray today that you would be strengthened and encouraged knowing that God never intended for you to do everything. God never intended for everybody's emotional health to be your problem. God does not want you to live constantly frustrated and God does not want you to live constantly sad. And so today, God, help us to put things in their proper perspective. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Will you stand with me this morning? Amen. I love you so very much. And I want to ask if there's anybody in the room today who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. Or maybe today you feel like you're disconnected from God. And today you want, you want us to join in prayer with you. And, and today either believe that God's going to save your life. Or as you make a decision to come back to God. That he's going to empower you and strengthen you. And help you to overcome whatever the obstacles that are in front of you and are facing you. If that's you, everybody, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would. And you want to make that decision today. You want to give your life to Jesus or you want to come back to God and reestablish your connection, your relationship with him. If that's you, I want to count three. When I do, just throw your hand up in the air. and We're going to pray a prayer with you and believe that in this moment, God's going to do something supernatural in your life. One, two, three. Throw that hand up in the air if that's you. I see hands all over the room. 
Amen, I see you. Awesome, let's pray this all together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you mine. Take it all, have your way. Use me for your glory. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for saving me. I love you because you loved me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Awesome. Can we put our hands together for those that made that decision today? So proud of you. Such an awesome decision. Amen. We love